That kind of love is emotional in nature, but not obsessional. It is a love that unites reason and emotion. It involves an act of the will and requires discipline, and it recognizes the need for personal growth. Hello and welcome back to this week's episode of the Potentially Podcast. I'm so glad you guys decided to come back, give this another listen. Don't forget that if you are enjoying this podcast to rate, review, subscribe, wherever it is that you listen to podcasts and share this on your social media so we can get the word out. So this weekend, I had a really, really awesome weekend. I spent it all with my husband. We relaxed, made dinner together, watched some TV. It is the day before our 10-year anniversary of being together, and so we just really wanted to spend some quality time together. Um, And as you guys know, we were on a budget, so we just decided to do everything low-key, and honestly, it was really great. We both enjoyed doing that kind of stuff anyway, so it wasn't really a struggle. So for this week's podcast, what I wanted to do was kind of tied into marriage since that's what's been on my mind. So in June, we will have been married for four years and think we've learned a lot. Obviously, we have a lot more to go, a lot more to learn. But one of the biggest things was when I was first getting married, my aunt gave me this book and I read it and I really enjoyed it. And I think that it could be useful if we talked about it. So the book is called The Five Love Languages, The Secret to Love That Lasts. And the author is Gary Chapman. I don't know if you guys have heard of The Five Love Languages before or not, but I thought I'd kind of go through it, talk about the book. It was a really, really good read. So if you're interested in it, you should definitely go check it out after you listen to today's podcast. So what he goes into is basically how everybody loves differently and how we show our love differently. And maybe we're not communicating properly to our significant other. And that's where some of our marriage problems are cropping up. So if you can learn the other person's love language, you can prevent a lot of heartbreak and resentment and hurt in your relationship if you just know how the other person thinks. So when he starts the book off, he really discusses it like it's a language. He says, basically, your husband is speaking English and you're speaking Chinese and you're understanding each other just that well. Like if you went up to somebody and you had no idea what they were saying, you you couldn't get anywhere. And that's exactly how he describes it in the book. And I thought that that was a really good way to kind of frame the issue because everyone can understand that. Everyone can understand what it's like to walk up to somebody who they don't share the same language and try to communicate just like, where is the bathroom? You know, it's, it's difficult. So if it's really that big of a difference, then this is maybe why so many people are struggling in their marriages to find that common ground and to feel loved and to feel understood, which is really important. Before he even gets into breaking down the different types of love languages, he says that when you get to a certain point in your relationship, you kind of hit this wall and you have a choice. You can either resign yourself to a life of misery or you can get a divorce. And he says that's kind of the two situations that most people who are really, really unhappy find themselves in. They think they either have to deal with this for forever because they made this commitment to this person or 
they have to get divorced because their happiness is more important than the commitment that they made. And what he's trying to say is, is he wants to provide this third option, this third way of looking at it. And one of the quotes that I pulled from him, which I really, really liked was, research seems to indicate that there is a third and better alternative. We can recognize the in love experience for what it was, a temporary emotional high, and now pursue real love with our spouse. That kind of love is emotional in nature, but not obsessional. It is a love that unites reason and emotion. It involves an act of the will and requires discipline, and it recognizes the need for personal growth. The reason that I really liked that quote was he goes into the fact that when we start off any new relationship, you get that butterfly feeling, that obsession, that need to think about that person, be with that person 24-7, and it's kind of like a drug and it overtakes you and you don't see any of their flaws and they're just perfect in your mind because you're so, so in love. And after a while, that feeling is going to fade and it fades for everybody. And I don't know if it's our own ideas in our head or, you know, the romantic movies that we watch, but we seem to think that that love should last forever and we should constantly feel that way towards another person. And he explains in the book that that's not the case and it's not the case for anybody. That type of love is going to fade. And it's not bad because when that love goes away, in can come real love. And I really like that. And he talks about how real love is the choice. It's the choice to wake up every day and love somebody else more than your selfish desires. And I thought that was really, really like spot on because to be honest, eventually all of us, we get that selfish inclination. We want to just do what's best for us. We don't really care what the other person is doing. It's we aren't really giving and taking anymore. We're just take, 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 and you want to do whatever is best for you. And that's just kind of human nature. And we have to fight against that to be more selfless in our relationships. So I really liked that quote from him. And I kind of thought it put it in good perspective. It's not about the the fact that you're stuck in this loveless marriage if that's where you see yourself or if that's where you see yourself heading. It's the fact that you made this commitment, you're in this marriage, so now do the work to really love that person after the high of that falling in love goes away. So once you've made the decision that you do want to try in your marriage and you want to make your relationship better, the next part is to go over the five different types of love languages. So they are words of affirmation, acts of service, receiving gifts, quality time, and physical touch. And no one is better than the other. It doesn't really matter which one you are. It just matters that you can recognize it in yourself and then recognize it in your spouse. So that way you can improve your own marriage. So words of affirmation has a few different categories. The author talks about how you can have encouraging words. So that's like, let's say your spouse is going out on this new venture. They're starting a new business or a new hobby or anything and you are encouraging what they want to do in life. So any types of encouraging words for that. You know, sometimes we just need another person to kind of give us that push to take it to the next level. So like when I wanted to start this podcast, I was really nervous because, you know, you're putting a lot of yourself out there and Jacob was very, very encouraging, telling me that I was going to be able to do it, that people would like the podcast, that I would sound good, and that kind of gave me that courage to stay, take that next step and actually put it out there and not just think about doing it. There's also kind words, so 
telling somebody that you love them or complimenting them or anything that you can put your feelings into. And maybe you get a moment of being able to use your kind words in the heat of an argument. So maybe your spouse starts an argument and instead of responding with anger, you respond with some sort of kind words to kind of disarm the situation, diffuse it, and allow your spouse to maybe think about the words that they were using and pull back and realize that that's not how we should be talking to each other. The last one talks about humble words. So he goes on to say that as adults who love each other, we shouldn't be demanding. We should be asking for things that we want and the other person should want to do them because they love us. So when we start demanding things, it can come across as very parent-child relationship instead of two equals within the relationship. And I know that I kind of struggle with this one. When I just have a to-do list in my head, I just start thinking like, okay, this needs done, this needs done, this needs done. And I'll just tell myself, I'm gonna do this, Jacob's gonna do that. And I kind of just tell him what's gonna happen instead of asking and seeing what his response is. The next one is acts of service, and this is my love language. So acts of service is just feeling loved when somebody else is willing to do something for you that maybe you usually do, or even if you don't usually do it, even if you split the time doing it, maybe it's something that you don't enjoy doing. So whenever my husband makes dinner, I feel loved because I hate making dinner. So if he's making dinner, it means I don't have to and I really, really appreciate that. The author goes on to talk about how sometimes you can feel like you're doing an act of service for your significant other, but you aren't actually. So maybe you're the husband that's outside and you're cutting the grass and you're pulling weeds and you're doing all of these things that you feel like you're giving your effort into and you're doing a lot and maybe your wife isn't responding. Well, maybe she's not responding because she doesn't really care about those things. And I'm not saying that in like a she thinks you're being lazy, but just she's not constantly thinking about the grass being cut. Maybe what she's worried about is the laundry getting done. So for it to be an act of service and for her to feel love from it, maybe you'll have to do the laundry one week. The third one is receiving gifts. And I think a lot of people kind of like look down on this one because it seems like maybe you're trying to buy somebody's love but the way he frames it in the book is really really sweet so he says like the first thing that we do as children is maybe we'll give our parent a gift we'll go outside and we'll pick like a dandelion and we'll bring it in to our parents and our parents just feel this overwhelming sense of love and it's so cute and it's adorable because your child is doing something for you and being selfless. And I think that's kind of how you have to look at it if you are a person who likes receiving gifts. It's just the symbol of somebody else's love. So if your significant other likes to be given gifts, I don't think you should take it as like an affront of somebody being greedy. That's just how they receive their love. And so maybe it doesn't necessarily have to be something super expensive. It can just be something that shows that you were thinking of them when you weren't together. And I think maybe that's a big part of it is the fact that it just shows that thought process, that thought process of, okay, even if we're not together 24-7, you're still thinking about me and you want to put that extra effort in to show that. The fourth love language is quality time. So this is really specific because quality time doesn't just mean sitting together or sitting near each other. So the idea is that if you are somebody who values quality time, you want to be 
engaged, talking, doing an activity with somebody and not just like sitting there watching Netflix together where your focus is really on the TV show and not on each other. I think a lot of people struggle with this one um, in today's day and age because phones are just a really distracting part of our life now. We have them. They're always in our pocket. There's always something that can kind of take our attention away from the person that we should be focusing on, whether it's a text or a notification on Instagram or Facebook or Snapchat or whatever it is. There's all of these things that kind of pull us away. Or maybe it's not even social things that are pulling us away. Maybe you have your work email on your phone and you're constantly checking your work email and working in the evenings and the weekends. And maybe that's something that you have to do for a while but it can impede on your quality time with your significant other and if that's their love language then they're not going to feel heard and understood and loved they're just not they're going to feel ignored and kind of second rate and not important and the last love language that he goes into is physical touch now physical touch doesn't just have to be sex he goes in to say that it's really important for people that like physical touch to hold hands or to kiss, or to be given a hug, or whatever it is. It doesn't just have to be about sex, and that's something that a lot of times people can overlook, that those smaller touches aren't important anymore once you're married. It only really matters when you're dating and you're showing affection, and really he goes on to say that that's really not the case, because for people who need physical touch, they feel very withdrawn from, very rejected if they're not receiving that, and if you are a person who doesn't like giving physical touch, but you're with somebody who does, this can be something that needs to really be a conscious effort on your part. So that's kind of the next part of the book. He addresses the fact that most of the time you're not going to be with somebody that has the same love language as you. It's very, very rare. I don't know if that's just an opposites attract thing or what it is, but he says it's very rare that he's found in his career that he has two people that have the same exact love language in a relationship. So if you're a words of affirmation person, but you're with somebody who really enjoys quality time, then maybe you come home every day and you say, oh, you look really nice today. Or, oh, I really appreciate that you made dinner. And then after that, you shut up, you go play your video games, you go watch your TV, you do whatever it is you do, and they're left kind of sitting there by themselves all evening. Well, you feel like you've given them the attention and the love that they need for the day, but really you haven't because they're not feeling it from you. They're not understanding it. Jacob and I, I feel like have always kind of talked about this even before we had the book we kind of talked about like oh I really want you to do this or I want you to do that and we've been pretty open about it just because we have a very open relationship we're not really afraid to tell each other things but reading through this book it's been easier to put things into words like if you had a category for something it's easier to explain to someone else right it's not just this like weird thing sitting in your head so it's easy for me to explain like oh I feel loved when you do this act of service for me and he can say well i feel loved when you hold my hand okay because his is physical touch so knowing that it's just easier to bridge the gap it's easier to come together and to explain why somebody might not be feeling the same amount of affection that you want them to feel and it's really tough for me because since jacobs is physical touch that's something that doesn't like i'm not like an overly affectionate person like i'm not somebody that goes around and like needs to hug everybody all day and a super touchy feely you know i kind of like my own space and the only person that i really like i mean i hug my parents and my sisters and stuff like that and my friends but I'm not a very affectionate person. 
Like, that's just not who I am. So even with Jacob, I kind of have to put in a conscious effort to be like, oh, when we're sitting on the couch, instead of just sitting next to each other, maybe I need to hold his hand. Maybe we would both like that. So that's kind of like something to think about. And you don't just have to be one of these things. So um, he goes on to explain in the book, like there's this test that you can take in the back of the book and it'll tell you based on how many questions that you answer, whichever way, it'll tell you what your top love language is, which I think is super useful, but it'll also rank it for you because you actually do get love from all the different categories. There's just one that speaks to you more than the others. So like, I think my order was acts of service, quality time, words of affirmation, physical touch, and then gifts. Um, so it'll rank it all down for you and then you can kind of understand where in the order of things or why some things seem more important than other things to you. So what do you do with the information once you have it? Okay, it's great to know that I'm acts of service and Jacob is physical touch, but if that's all we do with the information, then it's basically pointless, right? So you have to put in a conscious effort if you are having a problem in your marriage and you do need to work on being a more selfless and more loving person and showing that love. If you need to work on that, then you need to start putting in the effort of the daily grind. It might not be something that comes supernaturally to you and it that makes sense because if it was coming supernaturally to you, then you wouldn't have the problem in your relationship that you do. So if your significant other needs words of affirmation, he suggests in the book that you write down some words of affirmation that you want to remember to tell your spouse like throughout the day, like, okay, this is what I want to say when I get home and you write like three or four things down. And I like this because I think it's very intentional. And when you do things intentional to be nice, I feel like sometimes people see that as like, oh, you're playing, like you're not doing it out of the goodness of your heart. You're playing some kind of game. There's, you know, some kind of nefarious reason behind why you're doing it. And I don't think that's the case at all. I just think you're making a conscious decision. You're making a conscious choice to be a better person and to be a better spouse. And I love that. And I think that's the only way that marriages can succeed is if you're choosing every day to get up and love that person and show them that you love them. So for words of affirmation, like I said, maybe you write down what it is you want to tell your spouse until it becomes more natural, until you're do you've done it for so long, you've practiced it for so long that you don't have to do that anymore. Acts of service. Maybe this is something where you need to ask your significant other like three things that they would really, really love if you did. So don't have them list everything in the entire world. Have them be specific. Like for me, I really don't like cooking. So that would be like at the top of my list, but whatever it is for you, maybe you just really hate cleaning the toilet or maybe you really hate vacuuming or taking out the trash or whatever it is. Maybe you list three things down and again, it's not about demanding. So you're not saying like, okay, these three things have to be what you do all the time now. It's just letting them know that these are the three things that I would feel loved if you did them. And then when your spouse does do them, I mean, it would, it would be a good idea to show them some appreciation in, in whatever their love language is. As far as receiving gifts goes, this one really just depends on your budget and what it is you can afford. So if you're on a really, really limited budget like we are now, maybe it's just something where you like make the other person a card and put in a really sweet message and it will show that you were thinking about them while you were away. Or if your financial situation is a lot better and you can go out and you want to spend some money on gifts, 
great. That's awesome. Whatever it is that that person likes. If your love language is receiving gifts, you're the type of person that kind of likes whatever gifts that they're receiving as long as they're thoughtful. You're probably not super picky about what it is you're getting. If your significant other's love language is quality time, then I think you need to schedule that out. You need to take the initiative and say, okay, on Saturday, we are going to go to the park and we are going to go on a walk or I'm going to take you to your favorite restaurant and I'm not going to have my phone out while we're there. We're going to talk the entire time and just making sure you're putting that foot forward. And if you have kids, I think what would help is if you said, hey, look, I already figured out what we're doing with the kids for the evening. You don't need to worry about that. I've planned everything. All I want to do is spend time with you and talk with you. Okay, awesome. Or if it's just during the week and you don't have a whole entire afternoon or day to set aside, maybe you just say something like, okay, in the evening when I get home from work, I'm going to put my phone down and for 15 minutes, I'm going to talk to my spouse and I'm going to listen to whatever it is they have to say. And just like a side note on this, if you are listening to what they have to say, probably don't fix whatever problem it is that they bring up. Most of the time, at least with women, I know at least with me, when I'm telling my um, husband any problem that I might have had during the day, I don't really need him to fix my problem. I just need him to listen and understand the problem. So I don't know if I'm alone with this, but that's how I feel. And I feel like guys kind of don't really realize that until you tell them. It's not about fixing my problems. It's about listening to my problems and just being like, yeah, that sucks. Like a that sucks is just so much better than being like, well, what you should really do to solve all of your problems. Like, okay, I don't need to hear what I need to do to solve my problems. I'll figure it out myself. I just want some sympathy and to be understood and to vent to somebody. But that's just kind of a side note. <laughs> and then if you're, if your significant other um, is physical touch, then maybe you just be like, okay, tonight when we watch TV together, I'm going to rub his back or I'm gonna rub her back or whatever it is, okay? So it's just about making a conscientious effort to put in the work. And it would be great if you read the book with your husband or your wife and you were both doing it together. But if the other person isn't really willing to do that, then if you start the process and you show that you're putting an effort, I promise that if they love you, they're gonna wanna put in effort too. And I think it's gonna really make your marriage stronger and better and grow. And in the end, it also makes you just a better person in general. It makes you a person who is intentional and who is considering others, putting your needs lower down on the list. So if you liked today's podcast and you thought that the information was something that you'd like to learn more about, definitely go check out the book. Again, it's called The Five Love Languages, The Secret to Love That Lasts, and it's by Gary Chapman. I really like the book. I read it when I first got married. I reread it this morning before I did the podcast just to kind of like refresh. It's not too long of a book. It's a really easy read. And when you get done to listening to today's podcast, head on over to my Instagram at the potentially podcast and let me know what your love language is. I would love to hear um, what everyone's different love languages are. All right, I'll see you guys next week. Mm-hmm.